Uh, but thank you, uh, Michael Lazarus, for leading us today. You have a name that I have to say both names, Michael Lazarus, to just really get it through. And thank you, Steve, for that um, communion meditation. I appreciate both of you. So happy Father's Day again. I want to just say I am thankful this morning to be preaching. My, my whole family is here for the most part. My mom and dad are here, and my sister and her husband are here as well. My mom and dad are celebrating 40 years of marriage today. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's also Father, my mom's birthday is in two days, but we don't, you know, like we can celebrate that too. And it's pretty awesome. You know, it all falls on one time, which, you know, is a weird scheme. You know, it's kind of crazy, but thankful that they're here today. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about this word, legacy. And you might have some ideas, and I want you to think this morning of what comes to mind when you think of this word, legacy. Right, we use it kind of interchangeably throughout. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, when someone passes, maybe an inheritance that someone gets you. I think of a will reading where someone's going to leave a legacy for you, a large sum of money, some property, a house, whatever it might be. This thing is being given to you by somebody else that was significant to them. That is their legacy to you. But I think on a deeper level, This is the framework I'm going to work out of today, that yes, a legacy might be a sum of money or a piece of property, a piece of land, but today I want to think of legacy like this. Your legacy is the thing that you can't help but share with the people that you love. And for many, yes, it is money, it is things, but on a much deeper level, we are all leaving behind a legacy, right? The thing that we can't help but share. It's not something that we have to think about, the thing that we can't help but share with the people that we love. And I asked my dad's permission on Thursday if I could talk about him. And I didn't say that I was also going to have visual aids. So my dad's here this morning, and I love this picture. This is my dad right here, again, using my laser beam. Nice, bright, and shining face. And his brother, John, and that's my grandmother, Joe, and my dad, Jim. And if you get a, a theme through my dad's side of the family, the letter J is significant, Okay. There's Jim Jr., there's Jim the third, Jim the fourth, and Jim the fifth is in the other room. Okay, so um, I'm talking about legacy. I'm talking about the things that are significant. And I never got to meet my grandfather. My grandfather actually passed when my dad was 16. Um, but this is a, a great photo, and I, and I don't have any uh, other visuals of, of my grandfather, but my dad talks about my grandfather a lot. Um, and my grandfather actually had a camera that would take video. And at that time, that was really, really cool. Didn't have any audio or anything. It was all black and white. But my grandfather wanted so badly to capture moments. He loved to be with his family. He loved to take his family to the beach. And uh, it's kind of hard to talk about, you know, um, that I never got to meet him. But it was significant for him to spend time with his family to capture those moments, to share those moments together. And there's a long, long legacy of this guy right here handing that down to his son. And so this is like, this is my, whenever my dad calls me, this is what comes up right here. That's, that that face, you know, it's a good looking face. Uh, And uh, this is, I guess, right around the time, maybe a little bit after my grandfather passed. My dad was 16, like I said. Uh, But my dad, you know, he's the oldest brother of four brothers. And, you know, there's Jim, there is Jay, there, Jay is, is, uh, excuse me, Jim, John, Jay, and Joe. And this is all four of the brothers here. Jay got cut out there, I apologize. Um, 
But this idea of family was so important. Even though dad, grandfather passed away, uh, this idea of family became very, very significant. I think my dad, one of his legacies has been this idea of family, okay? Here's another good picture. This is my dad right here and myself. Uh, My dad was always my baseball coach, my basketball coach, and uh, yeah, we did a lot of things together, okay? And we were always out there playing catch, hitting ground balls in the backyard, doing all kinds of stuff together. Here's another photo of the three uh, James Francis Divines right here. This is my son when he's about a year old at my sister's wedding. And uh, yeah, it's pretty fun just to kind of have these images. And here's a a few uh, years later, uh, there's three, four, and five all together on our Jaguars jerseys. And it's one of those things that it's, as I was trying to think, you know, what is my father's legacy? And it's, it's obvious to me. It's, it's family is important. And I asked my wife this before I was kind of, you know, going through this. I asked, you know, if my dad had a legacy, what would it be? And without thinking, she said, she said the exact same thing. Family is important. And it's been instilled into me, and, and <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> It's hard to talk about, you know, but it's, it's significant. And uh, I tried to practice so I wouldn't cry, but uh, this has become my confessional here, this pulpit kind of with you guys. Uh, but family's important, and uh, I'm going to keep going so I don't cry. <laughs> Got to get that picture off. Oh, wait, I don't want you to see that, though. I should have put a blank slide. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyone who knows my dad knows this to be true. And so my question for you is, what is your legacy? And, I, and I'm sure that you've been thinking about that as I've been talking. What is the legacy that people are going to remember you by? For me, I know that it's about, uh, about family. My family has passed that down to me. But what is it for you? What is your legacy that you are putting into this world. Going back to this slide right here, what is the one thing that you can't help but share with the people that you love? What is the legacy that you are leaving behind for others? And as I was thinking about that for myself, I kind of got into this mindset of thinking, okay, I kind of know what my legacy is. It's it's very family-oriented, but what is God's legacy? Okay, we're talking about Father's Day, and it's great to think about our fathers and what our fathers left us. But if we talk about God as being God the Father, what is the legacy that God is leaving behind for us? And that's a weird question to ask, okay? It's it's strange because we have tangible flesh and blood people that we can relate this to. Okay, my father passed this down to me. Maybe your father passed down hard work or dedication or whatever it might be. It's easier to think in those terms. But it's difficult to think about what is the legacy that God is leaving behind for us as God the Father. What does God want us to know about him? And as Steve Mason uh, was, was talking about, the first thing that comes to mind for me is this image of the prodigal son and the gracious father. So let's read this together, Luke 15, 11 through 12. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his inheritance between them. 
So the son asked the father to grant him this very offensive request. We've talked about this before. It's as if the son goes to the father and says, Hey, dad, when you die, you're going to give me a significant portion of your wealth. I want that wealth now. So essentially the son is saying, Dad, I wish you were dead so that I could become rich. That is offensive. Don't ask your dad that question ever. Okay? But the son, as we know, this is a very common story. The son messes up. He spends all of his inheritance. He gets in a very bad position, and he's eating slop with these pigs, a very bad thing for a Jewish boy to be doing. And he has this thought, you know what? If I had really asked my dad, I bet you that he would hire me. Because if my dad would hire me, I would surely be living better than I am now because my dad's hired hands are much better than these pigs eating the slop that they're eating. That's a better situation. I know my dad will grant me that. Deep down, I believe the prodigal son knows that his dad is a gift giver, that his dad is gracious in all things, that even if I just come and beg and beg and plead, I know that I asked if you could be dead and I could have all that money. I know all that happened, but please give me a job and I I know he'll give it to me. Deep down, he knows this about his father. It is a legacy that I believe his father has been intertwining into him his entire life. Let's continue reading the story, my favorite part. Luke 15, 20 through 24. uh, Yeah, 24. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. My favorite part about this is, is this is this imagery I want you to think about in your mind. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion to him, and he ran to his son. I, I, I could, you know, I've preached about this many times, I believe. <laughs> I just can't get over this image of the father meeting the son where he is, not waiting for his son. You know, he doesn't have his arms folded, tapping his feet, you know, looking at his watch. It's a significant image for us to think about the father going to the offensive son and saying, I love you no matter what. And not only does he embrace him and accept him where he is, he treats him like a king. He puts a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, and treats him to a huge celebration that the son definitely did not deserve. He treats him like a king, even when he has messed up and done a very bad thing. And what I think we're supposed to see the father as a giver, okay? A giver of good gifts. And I am reminded of this section here, actually in Luke chapter 11 here, in Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We are supposed to see this gracious Father as a gift giver. A grace gift giver. His hands are open wide saying, take whatever I have, it is yours. Even when that offensive ask the son gave him he says take what is mine is yours 
Even when the son comes back and it should be a situation where he's getting scolded or called out for whatever's taking place, he says, here, my hands are wide open. Take what is mine because it is also yours. The father is a gift giver. The father's legacy is infinite grace. If we're talking about the question of what is the father's legacy, what is the thing that he can't help but share with us, it is this right there, that there is an infinite amount of grace for his children because he desperately loves us, even when we have offensive asks to give him, even when we have things that we are holding back from, even when we're so far away from him, he comes to meet us where we are because he has a legacy of infinite grace. He can't help but give more and more. He can't help but continue to fill that cup to where it's spilling out, saying, you need more of this. You need more grace every single day. This is what he wants us to know. He is a gracious father. And the prodigal son, he inherits that legacy. I believe if we were to have a uh, part two of the prodigal son, I think the prodigal son is going to be a pretty outrageous dude in in his community. You see what I'm saying? When you experience grace like that, I think your life can't help but be radically different. I bet you that son doesn't go to his dad anymore and say, hey, can I have my life insurance policy now? Right? I think his entire trajectory is changed by this sudden moment of grace that doesn't make any sense. If we have a part two of the prodigal son, I guarantee you he is a giver of grace as well. You follow me? Just like your father or just like your mother or grandmother or grandfather, whoever it might be, gave you that legacy, whatever it might be, has changed you forever. The God, the Father that we worship is a giver of infinite grace and hopefully our lives are transformed by that. Infinite grace given to the world. The prodigal son cannot forget this moment. This is not a blip in his existence. This is his existence. He is going to be, I believe, a giver of grace. So the question is, how does God's legacy of infinite grace affect me? Why should I care about this? What should I do about this? And I have two things. And it seems really simple, but sometimes it's the simple things are the most difficult, right? So if we have a God the Father, if we have God the Father who is giving us a legacy of infinite grace, we first need to be aware of that grace. Because it's deadly if we're not. If we aren't aware of the grace we receive, we will be just like the older brother in the prodigal son story, right? The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father, the gift giver, went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But, he, but we had to celebrate and be glad because his, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. The problem is that we are often the older brother. Okay, especially those people who come to church a lot. 
We don't see the grace that we receive every day, just like the brother was unable to see or be aware of the grace that he received every day. We just confirmed right here that the father is an open-handed, what is mine is yours. He's saying to the brother, I've given you everything of mine. Everything that is mine is yours. But the brother wants more and more because he's not aware of the grace that he receives every day. I fall into this trap so, so much. If we are aware of God's grace, if we become aware of God's grace, then we can't have this badge of pseudo-bitterness, pseudo-whatever, right? This pseudo-integrity, right? Because this brother's coming across as this bitter, and I, I'm owed something. You with me here? The brother believes that he deserves more than the younger brother, that he deserves to be treated like a king. What he doesn't realize is how much grace he receives every single day. But sometimes we carry around this bitterness like we are owed something, like we are owed for coming to church, that we are owed for reading our Bibles or dressing up nice or whatever it might be. But if we're aware of God's grace, all those other things become less significant because we recognize just how much we need grace. But we need to be aware so that we do not fall into this trap of bitterness to, to the false sense that we are owed something. Just like Steve said, we can't do anything or earn anything. But we are giving grace anyway. So the first thing is to be aware. The second thing is to adopt grace into your own legacy. Adopt grace into your own legacy. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you are handing down to people, good or bad, right? But hopefully the good. Whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to sprinkle a little grace onto whatever it is you're already doing. You with me? If you're someone who really values hard work, how can you sprinkle grace into that legacy you're leaving behind you? If you're someone that, that really cares deeply about family, how can you sprinkle grace into that legacy you're leaving behind? Because grace is only going to make it that much more important, that much more significant to who is receiving it. Because we all know those people in our lives, right? That one relative, you're like, I don't want to be around him because he's just mean. Maybe just me. I don't think so, okay? It's those people where you're like, I don't want to spend too much time with them because they, I don't get along with them. But I think if we adopt this mindset of grace into whatever we're doing, we're going to become this aroma of Christ that people can't help but want to be around, Adopt grace into what, leave, what you are leaving behind. Let God's grace affect you to the point you want to give it to other people, that you want to be a beacon of grace into this world. Just like the good things that your parents gave you, you can do this. You can be more gracious to people in your lives. But sometimes it means letting go of this bitterness, right? This older brother bitterness that we like to carry around. I'm entitled to something. I, whatever it might be, you know what I'm saying. I, get, I know you get this. Adopt grace. Add grace to everything you do. So be aware of God's grace and adopt grace into whatever you're doing. And I, and I want to leave with this. Think on your legacy. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're, wherever you are in your life, because you are leaving something behind everybody you encounter. Everybody you encounter will have a little bit of flavor of who you are. And I think it's important as Christians to recognize that our legacy reflects God's legacy. And if we are 
continually making a bad reputation of God, I don't think that we're doing what he's calling us to do. Let's remember that we've been given grace and that we can give grace to others. What is your legacy going to be? And what are you going to leave behind to the people that you love the most? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time and I thank you for uh, giving us a, a, a day that we can just uh, come and just be thankful for your grace. Like God, we thank you for the story of the prodigal son and just the recognition that you are the gift giver, that you are the grace giver in this world. Help us to adopt that mentality with whatever we do. God, this morning as we go out of this place, help us to continue to live your grace in this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have any needs, we'd like to invite you to come forward. If you don't want to come forward, you can stay back. We have plenty of people who want to pray with you and help you along the way. If you have any needs, won't you come while we stand and sing?